Welcome, friends, to random number 110. That's right, we've done 110 of these damn things. This week, we're going to be talking the DC Weeklies. Um, we watched Veronica Mars' movie on HBO, as well as season four on Hulu. Uh, we also caught Thoroughbreds, which was one of Luke's favorite um, from last year. And then we'll be finally talking Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Was there anything else that you watched this last week that you want to talk about? No, I just want to talk about how glad I am that I never have to see the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood trailer again. <laughs> it played before. It played before every movie for the past six months. Did I honestly have not seen it at all? So which? Yep. Every time, me. and I go to the movies two or three times a week. So I saw that trailer two or three times every week for the past six months. I'm so fucking over it. <laughs> Yeah, I honestly can't think of any movies that have played for, before for me. So, yeah, that's not a component I have to worry about. Um, did you... Oh, I saw you bitching about Euphoria again, so... I can't believe you yeah. hate watching it. Just get off of mm. that train. There's one episode left. What else am I going to do with my Sunday night? <laughs> Just rid yourself of that whole problem. It's so dumb, dude. Like, literally, in this episode... Oh my god, it's just, it's terrible. Fucking Cassie's pregnant now, so that's happening. Because I'm sure this show is going to handle that subtly and <laughs> carefully and well. Um, fucking uh, Rue and Jules are still like having their like distance between each other, you know, after like she can't handle Rue's addiction or whatever. And mm-hmm. Rue just puts it all together. It makes no sense. She's just like, well, obviously it's because Nate was fucking the guy she was chatting with on that thing and she fell in love with him and that's why she went i'm like what is going on how is this any narrative <laughs> anyone coming to these conclusions uh, obviously you never fucking... had drug uh dr- drug induced um analysis <laughs> and then fuck it well Ruth still oh. cleans this is her clean no drugs maybe they're trying to say that you shouldn't do drugs so you can figure out things better but she is all like, I think maybe I'm bipolar now. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, another thing to be wrong with you. Uh, uh, and then and then Jules is like, I got to get out of town. And she ends up sleeping with another girl. So she's like cheating on Rue. And then fucking Rue goes to Fezco, her drug dealer. And she's all like, do you have a gun? Because like, I figured it out that Nate's behind everything. And he's been fucking with me and Jules. And I want you to, you know, like scare him. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then Nate walks into the fucking convenience store where he works. And he's all like, yo, Rue's like my family. You you know, quit fucking with her. And Nate's just like, you're a fucking retard piece of shit. What are you going to do, you fucking drug dealer? And he's like, if you come near my friends again, I'll kill you. So Nate goes and calls the fucking cops like a fucking narc, like a stupid piece of shit he is. Oh, wow. What happens as the go, huh? One What's that? One to go, huh? Yep, one to go, and I'm just like Jesus. And it sets up this whole thing because fucking Fezco supplier, that MS13 looking motherfucker, comes in and he's all like, "It's time for you to start moving weight. Here's all the drugs." <laughs> he's like, "I don't want this. I just, I, I want to slowly sell drugs on the side like I do." And he's just like, "I'm not giving you a choice." I'm fronting you the money too. You pay me back with interest, and we're all good. So then the cop 
busting down his door and he's flushing all these drugs down the toilet. It's not going to be a gang war. Oh my god, it's so dumb. I so much. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell from the excitement you tell the story with that you really hate it. It's really bad. <laughs> oh. oh, and like Jules went out with her. Like she went to like the city with her one of her old friends, and she hooks up with that girl. Or, like, who's also friends with her friend at a club, but she's high while she's doing it. So she thinks it's Nate, like going down on her in a club. And she's like choking him and putting her fingers in his mouth. Like her, his dad did to her. And I'm like, I hate everything about the show. It's so <laughs> fucking bad. Woof. Wow. Uh, I got a lot of kickback from just hating on it uh, openly last week. So I was just like, I'm backing away. I get, I don't like this show. <laughs> And there's too many people that do that I don't under that I don't think understand entertainment that I'm just I'm not getting caught up in that anymore. Fuck those people. Send them my way. I'll them all how awful. Uh, it was like um I think it was Leonardo DiCaprio was like, Yeah, Euphoria is great. And I was like, Ooh, hard to disagree. You know, everybody was like <laughs> Why does he think it's great? Fuck yeah. Because DiCaprio only dates fucking <laughs> women in their early 20s. So he's got to keep his pulse on what the kids like nowadays. I hate that that's true. I hate that that's a true statement. <laughs> oh, wow. I got nothing for that. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he was like, oh, yeah, my girlfriend loves it. She's 20. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh, my God. I can't wrap myself around having a conversation with somebody that, for lack of a better word, immature and just not with life experience and trying to carry on conversations like that. Like, that just sounds exhausting. It all sounds terrible. <laughs> If we're we're in this terrible middle ground. We're like the generation above us and our parents' generation like ruined fucking everything, and then the kids below us are just fucking shits. So like, I don't want to deal with anyone outside my age range. Yeah, no, I'm totally ready for the apocalypse. Once shit starts, volcanoes just start breaking everything. I'm less like, yes, bring it on. Speaking of uh, the apocalypse, did you see that shit about the meteor? No. <laughs> Like, oh, fucking, yeah, like, like it's like, listen, we're out of the clear, but we literally almost fucking died. Everybody on this planet, I was like, God, it was that close. Come on, yeah. And the, the scary thing is, like, we didn't even know until it was here. I'm like, how <laughs> the fuck did you not know? Like, it feels like NASA's just playing with a 2D screen, and they're like, we ain't got. We don't have anything to worry about. And, like, everything's happening behind them. And, like, they turned around for five seconds. They're like, oh, shit. <laughs> Do you think it's going to come down to, like, emergency broadcast and NASA's going to take over every TV and be like, it's here. It's going to hit in 15 minutes, guys. Oh, we've known for weeks, but you guys were just so excited with fucking Elon Musk and SpaceX that we decided, fuck you. No way. I feel like they're de- definitely going to put on a uh, Armageddon-level show, and we're going to send drillers up to explode it in half, and like everything's just going to go completely bad shit. 
somehow they're going to accomplish everything, and then the riots are just going to break out. <laughs> Let's be honest. If one's coming, our president's going to try to do <laughs> Send them all. Send them all. That'd be great, because it's just going to hit the uh, ozone layer, and then just explode everything, and just rain down nuclear waste on everybody. Mm-hmm. Yay! Fun. Yay us. Yeah, the end time. <laughs> oh, Christ. That's good stuff. It's all good stuff. Um, did you see anything else or want to talk about anything before jumping into DCs? Dude, I have no... <laughs> like, I am so out of <laughs> Fair enough. I, I put in another, like, 60 hours <laughs> this past week. <laughs> okay. I guess you don't have time to do anything anymore. I really fucking don't. I don't have to. That's why I slept until two this <laughs> afternoon. I just fucking crashed. Yeah. Uh, you got to about two o'clock for me, and I was like, "Do I got time for taking a quick nap?" And I did. I did. And then you missed about me getting get back to you ten minutes late. Mm, yeah. Fuck you, man. So, fun stuff. So let's jump to DC. Uh, we had some bigger reveals, I suppose. Um, starting with Swamp Thing, we get what the poster showed off, the beginning image for the whole show. Uh, we realize what Swamp Thing is, and he's not actually the Alec Holland. Um, I don't know. I'm just so uncomfortable with that whole scenario that it just doesn't seem to make sense. Like, it feels like Swamp Thing is just going to start deteriorating knowing that he's not a person. No, he just becomes the Swamp Thing now. Uh, this is directly out of Alan Moore's second issue. Okay. When he took over the series, uh, his first issue was like <laughs> wrapping up the storylines that came before him. And the second issue is literally like Woodrow experimenting on him and literally being like, you know, you're a plant who thinks it's a man. You're not really Alec Holden. And, him, and then the Swamp Thing just evolves from there. I mean, he still has memories of Holland and he still understands humanity and having a conscience and all that, but he definitely becomes this more mythologically godlike. Fuck thing. yeah. Now, now I'm excited for it. Uh, we also get a taste of the actual blue demon, which is only shown off in blue sparks from behind a door. <laughs> they were trying to do and i mean uh james wan who produced it came out and said you know like we were going to do a three season arc and then we're going to introduce all this stuff and it was going to lead to the justice league dark this kind of like magical occult justice league version and you can see that you know they've done swamp thing and madam xanadu and blue devil and fucking phantom strangers showing up like they were doing that now like it seems like we're gonna get a lot of Towards this thing, that's never going to happen. So I don't think there's going to be any is real Fana, resolution. Is Stranger the one that uh, gave Blue Devil his powers? Okay. Yes. Yeah, I, like it's weird because there's a lot of cool shit happening, but there's also only one episode left. That it's like, well, damn. <laughs> yeah. At this point, it's like, what's? I mean, you know, towards the end, now in the past couple episodes, they've set up, you know this secretive corporation that's the government 
working above and shutting down the CDC and, you know, all this mystical stuff starting to get added. And you're just like, none of this is going to go anywhere, unfortunately. Which, which surprised me that we got Blue Devil again, even a little bit. But, yeah, it's cool. Um, I'm going to get caught up on the uh, Alan Moore book one so we can talk about that next week, too. Because, like, everything you just said has me excited to read that now. So, but yeah, you should read because that's what like through 27, yeah. 20 through 27, yeah. the first book. Then you should read issue 37 because that's when we're swamped like fuck. <laughs> all right, I'll I will watch our I will get caught up through all that. So, Oof. a lot, lot to take in. Um, so then, oh, and uh, the fucking cop fucking eats it too. I don't know, like, not even. Not even necessary. Like, why do we have to have that scene? I don't give a shit. <laughs> well, that character has also been redundant because they went straight to the Abby Arcane and Swamp Thing relationship. Because in those early books, like, she is... I think he was, like, doing protection. He was tied into the Holland somehow in the original run. But him and Abby were together and married. Oh. And then he ends up dying. Swamp thing. Huh. Well, damn. So we got that to look forward to next week. Um, from there, Titans, we get to learn uh, how Hawk became to be, which was a little weird. Um, <laughs> oh, what? All I'm going to say, all I'm going to say is I was kind of like half watching, semi disinterested, being like, oh, we're doing fucking. Well, tied to Doom Patrol, it's just like we got two episodes dealing with pedophilia in this week's fucking DC stuff, um, and then all of a sudden, just a fucking <laughs> terrible CGI truck out of nowhere just fucking nails the brother-in-law, and I was just like, "Oh shit!" They fight. They got Final Destination. <laughs> what an awful fucking CG scene! Out of everything that's been all right, like it just like it feels like they were writing this episode. They're like, "Shit." Well, how are we supposed to bring these characters? I got it. And they, like, he just reaches into a briefcase and just pulls out an awful looking truck and was like, we're just going to smash these into their loved ones. This will be fine. But, like, they came up with the idea too quick and there's like, let's pull footage from Driver on the PS1. <laughs> no one will notice. Let's just throw that truck in there. Oh, it's so bad. Um, but it's, there's some interesting things in there. Um, the Raven trying to speak, like, are they in a shared dream then sequence? Because Raven's trying to talk to both of them and who fuck knows. Uh, Dawn gets out of her uh, fucking coma. Coma. So. We also get a lot of butt in this episode. <laughs> we do. But I've seen that but from Blood Drive, so another new to me. Um, it was... I was just like, oh, Titans, you're throwing in the sexies. <laughs> They're like, we shadow everything except the butts. The butts are fully lit. And I'm like, okay, let's do It just do this. feels like somebody's outraged that uh, Instagram still, like, will not show any female nipple. They're like, well, we're going to get away with what we can. Even though this is our own platform, we don't have to really have any uh, ratings or anything. Like, we can show Bad Dong if we want. And just, nope. Not a goddamn thing. But, but. <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's weird to, um, 
I mean, obviously they're setting it up so that probably Hawk and Dove can come help them with whatever is going to go on with Starfire in the next episode. But it's weird to let end the last episode on a cliffhanger and then just do nothing mm-hmm. with it for this episode. Yeah. yeah, it just feels... And also, like, I don't understand why if Raven's calling out to them while she's being attacked by Starfire, why she's calling for Hawk and Dove and not Dick. I imagine she's just reaching out to anybody she can. Um, also, uh, it's um, who she asked for was uh, Jason Todd was the uh, other Robin we met already, right? Yes. So it's so strange, just because she didn't have any interaction with him other than like him like bringing her to the house, didn't she? Pretty much. So it's it seems strange it's... that she would like tell them to find him and then to find that it's I don't know. So But I mean I would be I would be happy with the show that just kinda delved into these characters. Like don't make it this huge like Titan mm-hmm. show the way it is with the storyline, but like show me these characters and their backstory and do little like two off episodes with these characters that people don't know. Maybe like, I'd be interested. Yeah, absolutely. Like Like, if you just package it as the, the DC, uh, side characters, like, and just give us a couple episodes of each of these characters and like bring them together at like the end of a season for like a bigger bad, bad guy fight. But, I don't know. It just seems weird how they put this shoehorned this episode in, which I'm sure we'll get resolved next episode. But it's just such a a strange interaction with the cliffhanger from last episode. So I don't know. Yeah, it's it's terrible pacing within the series narrative overall. Yeah, for sure. And then obviously the like like if if this episode had come. Like when they were all trapped in the asylum, yes. you know, and they, they so they're like they're all trapped, so she has to reach out to people she doesn't know. It fits better there, mm-hmm. and that would make sense why she would reach out to Jason rather than uh, the fucking Darkwing, I like whatever Dick Grayson. Um, did you just say Darkwing like Darkwing <laughs> Duck? Uh, listen, my mind's everywhere too, so. I can't be held responsible for it. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of missing the mark. I think there's only two episodes of Titans, right? Uh, yes, there's two episodes left. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Do you just want to burn through it and get done with that and swap thing for next week? Probably. That works okay. for me. So then, moving from there, uh, Doom, Doom Patrol is still hitting the mark, and we get to learn more about Jane. And, like, this is exactly what the scenario I wanted to kind of get introduced to these characters um, I think they did it really well and showed like she does represent some of these characters but a, a lot of them are these other kind of entities that uh, encapsulate her and then getting Cliff in there is the smartest move of everything like goddamn, I just for coming into this series and thinking Cliff was the biggest thumb out of the whole group like I just didn't give a shit about him and like him having the robot dance fight last episode and now this like trying to save Jane just because like that's 
his character. Like he's he wants to right some wrongs in his past, it seems. And like he's reached out to Jane before and like they have a connection and he's trying to work with that to help her. And like it's just so well done. Yeah, it's it is but it's also showing how flawed these characters still are because Cliff's not doing it for purpose, just for mm-hmm. altruistic reasons. He has the guilt of his daughter over his head, and he's using Jane as a surrogate to work through that yeah. pain. So I think even with the best intentions, it is still kind of this romanticized version where you see it's not all quite there. I, I really like the show. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was also just really strange how they went about it. Um, the, you mentioning the two pedophile issues this this week and this is the secondary one and it's just like that was off-putting from where they were just because it kind of I mean, I guess it makes sense why it would break somebody into different hundred pieces or whatever, but I don't know. It just felt weird being up against that with um, it from Titans as well, so... Yeah, it just—it was a weird fucking week where it all came together. So, but still, I was really shocked when Veronica Mars turned out to be like that as <laughs> just, well. Just all the kid touching, and it's just like, come on, guys, everybody just relax. Um, so yeah, DC's still hitting the mark. Uh, we'll wrap up the two series, and we'll keep going with Doom Patrol because I don't want to take one more episode of that a week because it's so good. Um, so yeah, that's where we land with that. Um, jumping from there, uh, you want to talk Veronica Mars or Thoroughbreds first? I guess, uh, let's go, let's go, let's go Thoroughbreds just because you kind of hit on it and it's, uh, it's funny that you give me so much crap about liking teenage drama and this is that a fucking epitome of that, it seems. Oh, no, <laughs> no, I give you shit for liking fucking overblown melodramatic dying kids. But... Then we have two teenage girls that just can't handle being all right with their parents being rich and sending them off wherever that they want to kill them. This kind of felt like the female equivalent to funny games. Um, (laughs) Bold choice. I I know I'm kind of reaching with that one, but... um, Like, okay, are we talking the original or the American remake? uh, The... American remake, I'm guessing the two kids or the two uh, brothers that are identical. I mean, it's the okay. same movie. Did it have Naomi Watts and Tim Roth? Uh, yeah. Or was it in? Yeah, no, it was that one. Okay. The yeah. one from a decade ago, I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Uh, but no, it is really great. Um, it's interesting to see. How they start the movie out and talking about horses and stuff, it's like I figured they'd be more featured or prominent um, considering I think they're on like a horse ranch or rich people have lots of horses, something like that. But um, the way it weaves itself into the story is almost terrifying. (laughs) It's terrifying to think about it as own. But the way they introduce it to say what stuff has gone on is ridiculously fantastic. 
<laughs> like, yeah. it gives you enough to, like, keep wanting to be interested in what they're talking about. And then once they get to it, you're like, oh, well, fucking throw all these people in a fire because they're all awful. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think the one girl's awful. God, I can't remember anyone's name. Uh, Olivia Cook's character, the girl from Ready Player One, the one who's like, has no empathy or feelings. I don't think she's terrible. I think she's completely honest and open and just doesn't understand you things. The serial killer one. <laughs> she didn't kill anyone. I mean, she killed, she brutally murdered that horse. I mean, she didn't think she was, but oh, like, sh- fuck. <laughs> All she did was cut through its neck with a rusty, dull knife and stamp its spine in half. Is that so Yes, bad? that's brutally fucking murdering it. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's it's really strange. I mean, I guess I want to know how else to take out a horse. Um, especially after fucking paralyzing it. Um, but I, yeah, it's, this movie is just different levels of fucking weird. Um, especially, it seems like they're always in the basement of this mansion. Which is fucking strange in its own right. Because, like, all the adults are on the top couple uh, floors of... And, like, they spend time going up from the basement. I don't know. Well, they're in... The they're right off the kitchen. That's where the living room is for those two big scenes. Yeah, but you see, I thought it was the living room, but then when she tells her friend to leave, like she goes up like two flights of stairs to go to get out out the front door. Well, isn't that once they walk down to the wine cellar? Mm, I think you're right, and I think I'm wrong. Very much so. That makes way more sense. And. But to be fair, fuck, you're in a mansion. It doesn't seem like a basement if it was a basement. Go where the fuck you Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, I like the drug dealer character and, like, how uh, the one girl kind of makes all this stuff... She organizes and orchestrates it so well that, like, she knows there's not going to be any repercussions because he doesn't want to go to jail for the conversation she did record of them. And all this other shit, but like, I don't know. This movie's just terrifying to think on it, think about it on its own. Yeah, like uh, Anton Yelchin is mm-hmm. so good as the drug dealer, and I think I do think this was his last movie before he passed, um, which is sad because he's so good in it. Um, but I love that scene where you know you are the way the movie works is you're supposed to empathize with the girl who's going to get sent away to boarding school, right? Her stepfather is pushing her this way and almost abusive. And she's the character you're supposed to empathize with versus Olivia Cook's character, who is the weird, as you put the serial killer, even though she has killed the horse, mm-hmm. but you know, she's, she's the weird one who the, the emotions aren't there. So you're off put by her. But by the time you get to the end, what's that little, uh, denouement of her talking to Anton Yeltsin's character about the letter you got. And you get this letter and you get it may be conveyed in this almost like perfunctory 
matter of fact way of her explaining like these dreams she's having and how the people are good in the prison though. And she is doing the best she can there. Like that's very emotive for her. And then you cut back to Anna Joy Taylor's character. who's just like, I don't know. I didn't fucking read the letter. And you realize she, you, she used her this whole time. She was really the sociopath with no emotions. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it does all these motions very fluidly. And like, you're unsuspecting of it all. And then when it hits that last note, you're like, well, fuck. Because like when she, man, the, the scene on the couch from where she tells her she was drugged and she just chugs it because like she had her questioning her own morality and why she's there or whatever. And then she goes and murders her father. Like, that seems so fucking ridiculous because like she, it just holds on her sitting on this couch while this murder takes place upstairs. And then she comes back and she's just like, well, she just lays with her friend because she's kind of just doomed her life. Um, and then you get to the end and she's like, she just never really gave a fuck anyway. Um, but yeah, this movie is in- intense for sure. Yeah, it's a lot. I really like it, though. Yeah, I can see why. Um, definitely worth checking out. Um, there's not really any graphic imagery. Um, it's all it's all, no, all spoken of, and like we get a few scenes with blood on her hands, but like that's it. Um, which was ridiculous because I figured. Uh, I, I double-checked where this fell on your list, and it was, like, Above Revenge, which was just fucking blood everywhere. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you had me watch it, because it was a really good and well-put-together movie. Like, I'm really glad you checked. I remembered it was on my list, but fuck if I remember where I put it. <laughs> I think it was, like, number eight or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, so. Well worth checking out. Um, so if you have HBO, check that out. Um, from there, yeah, you should all watch the movies I say to watch. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but you're on a pretty high uh, win rate. So um, from there, talking, did you rewatch the Veronica Veronica Mars movie? No, I just made okay. G or I just told you about it because last time we talked, you had said you never saw uh, it. No, I, I did see it, but I, I've only seen the once, and I kind of really didn't pay attention. Um, but like, I remember the movie being so reminiscent of the first couple seasons, like the tight writing and like everything makes sense of why they're doing it. Um, so that's setting up season four. Um, there's a few points that I didn't pay attention the first time through and like where, uh, the one dude that has the blackmail on the whole group of friends like when he's listening in on the radio because like her bug, she has the FM frequency and like the uh, hippie dude like next door is like, hey, way to go getting four minutes of love making in. And like that setting up the fall of him eventually um, was so tense and so great. Like the movie was written so fantastically and like, that going into season four in the writing being that tight, because I mean, it's all written by Rob Thomas, right? Uh, I mean, they have a staff of writers, like all 
TV shows. But yeah, he's he's the creator, and I'm sure structures a lot of the outline. But like, goddamn, the movie's so great. Um, I I feel like I remembered it ending differently. Like I knew that she slept with Logan, but I thought that was just a one night stand, and she got back to with together with Piz. And then when she just decides to stay in in Neptune, I was like, oh shit, I completely remembered that wrong. So. It would have been a very cult- a very poor. big shock coming into the uh, fourth season. <laughs> Fucking poor, poor Miz. Man. Can't catch a break. And like, <laughs> it just seems a little overdramatic being like, oh yeah, you're dealing with like helping your friend get it off for murder, but like, you didn't want to meet my parents, so I guess we're just done. It's like, mm, <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe pull it back a little bit. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I think that setting up season four is so smart. Um, it's surprising that HBO still has, well, I guess they bought rights to it when it, and when it hit the Kickstarter and like did all that stuff. But like, man, let's get into season four and how great it was. (laughs) Did you like season four? I don't know how I want to talk about this. I really fucking enjoy it. It it feels very much like the first couple of seasons. Um, Season three is kind of really disjointed. And, like, I really don't like talking about it. But, like, this one flows well. And, like, everything's useful. Like, everything, every bit of information they're giving you is used down the line. But you're not sure where. And, like, it does a great job of, like, leading you on these different tangents in realizing they're to no avail. Um, See, um, I have things I want to say, but I don't want to say them because I feel they'll get you off topic. So I kind of want you to lead this conversation before I start dropping some bombs. Um, Basically, we are bombing Neptune, which uh, before previously, we never really got a layout of Neptune and it kind of just seemed like a, a small town that, Nobody really gave a shit about it. And, like, season four is the first time where we see, like, the beachfront property and, like, this really, this destination for Spring Bank, which, which is where this is set up and um, all these small businesses coming together. And, like, they thrive in Spring Break because all these teenagers flock to this town, whatever. Um, so we get that. Um it starts off and there's a bomb that goes off in this hotel. Um, a pizza guy delivers pizza, drops it off. The uh, business owner's daughter goes across the street and like gets uh, book bags out of her uh, car so she can do homework and whatnot. And it's at that point, hell breaks loose and four people die. And like, I can't remember, I mean, other than the bus accident from the first season, uh, I can't remember there being anybody that really dies in this show. So. Uh, well, one, for the season one's the murder of fucking Lily Kane. Season oh, two okay, is okay. the bus murder. Um, uh, so then it goes from leading but, there yeah, to like... I mean, okay, we'll put it this way. Like, people die in the show. People aren't like mass murdered through yeah. bombings on sure. the show. It's new. It's a weird kind of like, we need to go Which, all considering out. Considering the first couple of seasons took place early 2000s, it's strange that it still has this 
same feel of the show 20 years later. Um, especially with the writing being very similar to those first couple seasons. Um, and then you get a whole slew of great cast people like Patton Oswald is the pizza delivery guy. We get uh, J.K. Simmons as this dude that was in prison um, kind of hedging this uh, real estate mogul that was spent some time in prison as well. Um, I don't uh, we get Leo back from the first couple seasons where he was. It's so weird to see some of these characters from the first couple seasons and how they've grown up over these twenty years because it it literally the time frame puts them twenty years from where they were and um, to see where they've come and gone from there and like they just fit right back into this role. Um, I think I'm most fascinated with Logan's character. And how he's kind of evolved over the seasons. And like this season was incredible for him. Like I sent you the text. I was halfway through the season. And I was just infatuated with Logan. Because like the control it seemed like he has over his character. um, And like dealing with what his character has gone through. um, Was just phenomenal to me. Uh, but we get the a couple more bombings. There's one with a horse collar and was just very crazily done. Um, compared to the other bombs, this is like somebody definitely being singled out. And like you don't get that from the other bombings. Like they're just kind of supposed to inspire fear. But like this is... Yeah, which is... One of hmm, slight going into my stuff, kind of one of the bullshit things that the show does in mysteries too. Sometimes where it's literally there just as a red herring, it puts the focus onto um, the girl from Barry who's running the bar um, because she had gotten into it with that guy the night before. You know, it's just to shift focus narratively. There's no reason for the actual bomber to have done that. But for story constraints, you do it to change yeah, focus. Yeah. Um, which I think it did, did all that well. Like, they're weaving this really intricate kind of mystery behind the scenes. And where, like, there are a few people that are guilty of a few things, but not exactly what they're chasing after. Um, you get this um, falling out from Weevil and Veronica that is really well done when Weevil comes to find out that she was just trying to be a good friend, even though, I mean, they have different lives because of who they are. Um, but yeah, I think coming into the final stretch of the last couple episodes, it's hard to imagine the reality and scope of where everything landed. And like, I still don't kind of believe everything played out as they said it did Um, because they did a great job of telling the story and like giving other people that it could have been. Um, But yeah, I, I, and like when we get to the final moments, it's like fucking, you just broke everything inside me because I knew coming into this, I didn't have anything spoiled per se, but I knew that there was a big heartbreaking moment at the end of the series 
And like the way they played off uh, Veronica's dad, I was like, oh, we're going to lose him and they're going to finally get away from Neptune. And like, that's how this, this season is going to wrap up. And like the way they did it, I was like, no, not the one person I gave a shit about this, this whole fucking run. And like devastated. Um, because you get the the uh, dream where she's with Leo, and I was like, before that was actualized as a dream, I was like, oh, well, that puts it in perspective, like, Veronica's not this uh, hero that does everything right and everything well. Um, she's a flawed human like the rest of us, and it makes sense to her character that she would do that to Piz in the movie, and then this happens to Logan in the show, and then it is revealed that it's a dream, and she does want to be with Logan, and like they decide to tie the knot, and like makes so much more sense. But like these are still very flawed characters, and like I appreciate all that. But like the character of Maddie was kind of like the real wrench in the system. Like when she showed up, I was like, God damn it, I'm over teenagers at this point. <laughs> but yeah that's that's my take on four cool what you what uh, were your problems with it <laughs> okay so i don't want to phrase this first of all once we get to the end um the whole of reality just gets thrown out the window because like Patton oswald's plans all depend on him being a psychic supervillain. Like, there's, he would have to know that, you know, like, they would go talk to the frat boys. And to do that, he would have placed fake receipts because he would know they would go look for receipts. And then he would need them to get him out where he would go take them to where he planted a body and then plant his backpack in there so he knows the car would go out. Like, it's just nonsense. Yeah. The whole, and Puma with him is just fucking whatever it doesn't make any sense so like whatever if the resolution to your mystery is not inherently great whatever you know because you can quantify it as being like it was engaging up until that point mm. it maybe more and stuff um my problem i believe i'm going to call the logan problem um so, I'm watching the show, and it's got, like you said, it's got the familiar patter. It's got the rhythms down. It, it, it feels like Veronica Mars of old, and that's the problem inherently with this. Um, we show that through those first three seasons, not that Logan's a bad character, but Logan is a bad person. Like, you can right away and try and dismiss all of his actions because, you know, his sister was murdered and his daddy was abusive, but those are just excuses for what is really a shitty person. Mm -hmm. But the chemistry between him and Veronica is so strong that it kind of led towards everyone pushing them to be together and want to be together. He should be Logan should be the, the, the bad boy that, gets you a little get your motor running a little and maybe you make a few mistakes but he's not the guy that you should marry so to get them to that point that they take us to here logan evolves right Mm -hmm. he deals with his issues 
He deals with his anger. He goes to therapy. He's well-rounded. He knows what's wrong with him. He's changed. Veronica hasn't. Mm -hmm. What used to be cute when she was a precocious teenager fighting the system because of all the hardships that happened to her from the 1% above her and life in general, not as cute when you're a 30-year-old who just keeps throwing your fucking chances of everything good away. And I mean, it's it's kind of um, out of character when she pulls a gun every uh, three or four times throughout the season, too. But, like, just watch how, like, honestly, like, I know you said, like, she's a flawed character. Sure, you can be a flawed character without being a piece of shit, mm-hmm. which she kind of is in this season. Yeah. Um, she literally, her her boyfriend proposes, and she is so distrustful of it and him that she thinks it's just a game of one-upsmanship. Yeah. Um, she's really shitty to her father, who seems to be going through fucking borderline uh alzheimer's and having problems with his memory and his body and just like you know like literally when he sits down and he's like i can't do this anymore i'm gonna get you hurt i'm gonna get me hurt someone's this is gonna end badly i need to stop and her just being like no fuck you this is our (laughs) lives do it like no like fucking maybe be there for your dad Um, like i'm totally on board with you like um thinking back on it like she it doesn't seem like she has much redeeming qualities because like the first time she sees the uh, comrade duck bartender, um, she's like, Oh, well I can just be a free spirit again and like not give a shit about this town while I'm with her. And then (laughs) it, it does lead to a moment where uh, she plants a bug and then collects it. And it was like, she does a five second minute, five seconds of growing up where she actually comes clean with her. But like that friendship's already towards, like she ruined it. At that point, it seems like she has one friend in the world and that was her. And like, she does everything to destroy it within a few days. And like, and like, it just goes, it's a litany of this Mm -hmm. throughout. Like if you want to say like, Oh, it's because, you know, she's still in this town and doing this after all these years. It's like the movie presented that she got her law degree. She could be out of there doing anything. She chooses to wallow in this. Um, I was fucking like borderline disgusted (laughs) at the part where like, where like when she's just like, guess what? Weevil, you're a piece of shit. He's like, I did it for my wife and kid. I needed to take care of them. And she's like, and they left you because you're a piece of shit. And I'm going to take you down. And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening right here? Uh, yeah, I completely glossed over that, that spot. But um, talking about the bartender scene where she bugs it, it's like you get this moment between uh, J.K. Simmons and her dad where it's like, listen, we both did some shitty stuff. We're in our, we're nearing sixties. Like we ain't got much time left. Like, like let's let this be bygones. And I was like, there's some real genuinely moments there. And it's like, man, how awesome would that be? If like, they were able to, uh, rejoin this friendship where Veronica wasn't because she was just acting out of compulsion for the most part. Um, 
And like it, it even starts off the series. She's like, "Yeah, I'm an addict." And when I don't know if that was the movie or the series, but um, that was the movie. okay. But uh, it was like, yeah, that all rings true. And it's like when her dad bites the bullet, it was like, no, we're not going to be friends because I'm not friends with pieces of shit, I guess. So, um, and, and then it comes down to like one of the, the large glaring thing of like how manipulative she is around Logan. Um, there's that scene literally where she's basically calling him a pussy. Yeah. And she's like, you don't have no passion anymore. And he's just like breaks out into that kind of old Logan anger and punches the fucking wall. And she's like, Oh yeah, let's fuck. And then he's just like, you know, I'm sorry. Like I, I'm better than that. I'm trying to fix myself. I think we should go to therapy. It's really helped me. And she's just like therapy. What are you crazy? You fucking puss. And I'm like, this is really uncomfortable. Yeah. And like, she was super shitty. I think it, I think then, it was meant to be that way because I think, I think they wrote Logan as such a better character than they did her for this season, which is kind of weird in its own right. And again, I take that down to like Logan shouldn't be in this position. So they had to write him as a better character to get there when that highlights all her flaws. Like no one was perfect. Veronica Mars, you know, like Weevil ran a gang and Wallace fucking used his position in the office to steal confidential information and fucking Mac hacked shit. Like none of these people were clean in any conceivable way, but once you elevate someone else to bettering themselves, it shows the flaws in those who won't. Yeah. Yeah. Plus when you get to the end where spoiler, he blows up and then that makes her want to go to therapy and better herself. It's just like you're doing a reverse fridging and you're using her guilt over his death to motivate her to be better instead of just as a character wanting to move on and be better. But we get to see Rosalind again. <laughs> True. Uh, yeah, yeah. All that was so indicative of this season. Um, but you're not sure if you liked it yet? I don't think... It, again, it's like... It feels like old Veronica Mars, but I think that's the problem. Yeah. I think we've reached the point where, like, these characters are in their 30s. Mm-hmm. They have to evolve. She's not a 16-year-old kid in high school anymore. No, absolutely. I, I, I'm totally on board with that. Um, it it's also seems a little disgusting knowing that she's kind of training her protege to be the same way, too, now. Exactly. And she's almost just like this is what you need to do, and that's what... Like, you went through this, and you know how fucking awful and lonely and terrible it was, and how no one was there, and you were ostracized, and you're gonna encourage this child to do it again? Yeah. Yeah. So, it's strange. Um, I'm hanging on to how well Logan was done, Um, and now he's not part of the series anymore, which sucks, but... um, But then also, like, sure... They did what they needed to for that character, but like, I don't want. Also, at no point in my life, I'm like, Logan Eccles is going to become a fucking naval intelligence <laughs> officer. No. What the fuck? I can see it. I'm done with this. <laughs> but like, you, uh, you know, you kind of miss that. Like, that's what Logan's was there for in that show yeah. as temptation and an instigator of violence. Like, like, that's what he always was. Honest to God, I like. I posted that I was done with the series and was searching through a shit ton of Logan gifts 
And, like, they're all terrible. It's, like, he was really an awful character. And, like, to, it was. to bring him around to there this was the, uh... really is, is something to say. But I think it it crosses that bridge where it's nostalgia and all right writing for nowadays. Yeah, because, like, remember, Logan, you know, did bum fights. Yeah. Know? Like, he was having people denigrate themselves. He... Uh, uh, you know, he was culpable to a degree in Veronica's rape. You know, like it's, it's never been a clean character for him to go to this is odd. But if you can redeem those characters, you have to redeem others. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was it was also pretty strange to see Dick still being the same character as he always was. Like, I shot you that text and was like, oh shit, I forgot about the belt buckle flask. I was like, this is. 100% dick, and, like, he was still that character in season four, um, which the movie was five years ago, wasn't it? Fuck if I remember. I, I, I want to say it was done in 2013, but it's strange, because it feels like he doesn't have many other roles, and he's, like, they called one day, and like, fuck yeah, I can be an asshole piece of shit, still. Um, judging fucking t-shirt contest at a random bar, or whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm all right with it. Uh, I don't necessarily think I need another season. Like I'm fine leaving it where it is, but. Did you ever see, um, the proposal? It wasn't quite a pilot because I think it was only like 20 minutes on what they would have done if they didn't get canceled after season three, like the pitch they made for season four. Uh, Uh, it was Veronica out of school and she joined the FBI and like, fucking like it was her like mystery of the week with maybe an overarching thing but because she was an FBI agent like that would have worked you move that character on and she gets out of Neptune and builds the thing she always wanted it's regressive for her to have done that in the movie at the beginning of the movie with her law degree and getting this job mm-hmm. opportunity to a prestigious firm just throw it away and come back uh... it's, it's honestly against <laughs> character and that that was also a thing that struck me is because when I, I said I remembered her getting back with Piz, I thought I remembered her calling uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and was like, listen, I had some shit to deal with. I handled that all. Uh, I'd still really like to be a lawyer. And she's like, yeah, fucking go power. Let's do this thing. And like, nope. So, uh, yeah, it was jarring to come into season four like that. But uh I feel like they kind of set themselves up to fail with this season um, because for her to go onward, uh, I mean, they're, they've shown her a year from now and she's still doing the same shit. So it seems like it would be another season of this. And at this point, that's not good enough. Exactly. It's... Unless I bring back that. <laughs> Unless they bring back this. Um, but yeah, so that's Veronica Mars. Uh, if you got Hulu, check it out. I got it for it. It was it was worth uh, signing up for a month for it. So All I know was like, I kind of want to watch old Veronica Mars and get a little taste back. I kind of do too. Uh, Hulu has the first season, don't they? I think so. I don't know. I own the oh, first. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I own them. Uh, I remember it vividly because 
Uh, it's, you know, back in the day when you bought physical media, <laughs> now that that's dying out. Um, I, I bought Veronica Mars on DVD and Lost season one at the same time. And I watched those first at the same time. And I was just like, oh, fuck, what have I done? And that's when I got into like, TV super hard. Nice. Very nice. So jumping from there, uh, let's talk about Quentin Tarantino's latest Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And did you and hey yeah? Did you know that there's feet in this movie? There are. It's so strange too, um, especially the climate of society. It seems the last few weeks is very anti-feet, and like there was just feet everywhere in this movie. It was just kind of weird. Oh fuck! It's that's, Tarantino. No, 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 I just completely remembered that, and I was like, mm, now I'm a little grossed out. <laughs> Um, yeah, once you then you like you start thinking about his, you know, like good on him. It's not hurting anybody, but like it's become so his thing of just like feet. But this movie, they were dirty feet. I was uncomfortable. Uh, I feel sleazy now. <laughs> nothing. Listen, nothing that happens in feet in this movie is as bad as from Dust Till Dawn when he's fucking drinking beer off Selma Hayek's feet and sucking on her toes. Ugh. Oh. <laughs> All right. That's enough. Uh, did you happen to enjoy <laughs> this movie? Not as much as he enjoys <laughs> uh, uh So I guess to preface it, like I don't know that I've ever actually talked to you about Tarantino and where you stand on it. I know we saw Grindhouse together, but I think that's about the only exposure to Tarantino we've had. I think I've always been Team Tarantino. Uh, I I, yeah. I really enjoy his movies. Um, it 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 feels like he's the only one that would be able to make movies like this. I think we talked about it briefly when Uma Thurman had her uh, settlement, or where they were talking about her uh, car wreck, like last year. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I I love the Kill Bill movies. Um, the other ones just feel like their own little time capsules. Um, I like that he tries new things with every movie. I'm a huge fan of Reservoir Dogs. Um, Pulp Fiction is one of those that I always come back to. Um, and now that it's been released on Netflix, like there's so many people that haven't seen Pulp Fiction yet. And I was like, what? What have you guys been doing? But uh, Which I don't understand. Like, I, with, Pulp is one of those movies that like, it's great. I I think Tarantino's made four like great stone cold classic movies. Uh Reservoir Dogs, Kill Bill, Pulp Fiction, and Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. I never in my life need to watch Pulp Fiction again. Because that's that movie that like people of our age, right? Mm-hmm. It was hitting when we were like fifteen, sixteen, you know, when like you had access to it. And like I watched that movie so many fucking times. And I never need to see it again. I, it's great. I, when, like, I saw I it, when I saw it in my teenage years, like I was like, yeah, this is cool. And like forgot a, a good portion of it that like when I rewatched it, I don't know, probably a decade ago, um, I completely forgot the Wallace and fucking Bruce Willis was in it. Like I for- completely blanked out those scenes. So like seeing it, it was like with fresh new eyes. I was like, well, son of a bitch. Maybe, maybe Wallace is a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, uh, uh, I'm totally. I will see any movie Tarantino makes. Um, I think. Well, uh, I guess going into that though, uh, that also means that I hated his last two movies. I hate Django with a fucking passion, uh, a passion that is so full of antipathy that I I've slept through that movie twice. <laughs> like I've seen it all in parts, but I cannot get through it because I look fuck. After that first like thirty five minutes, I was like, "Fuck, this movie is awful." Um, that and then Hateful Eight is just like it's so overblown. Uh, there's stuff in it I like, but by the end, you're just like, "This is just gross," and I don't need to deal with any of these characters. And why did I just waste two hours and twenty minutes watching them locked in a room? Son of a bitch! Did Tarantino just become your fucking North? Nolan, yeah. you mean? <laughs> uh, here's, and I've been talking to a, a buddy of mine about it over a little bit, but like, I, after Bastards, I don't think Tarantino's had anything to say. And I think that hurts when you're a writer and director. Mm-hmm. Like, you're the one crafting this whole thing. So, like, if you don't have anything to say, what's the point of doing it? Yeah. Hmm. That being, I don't, I can't think of any Tarantino movies that I hate. Like I, I, I'm fine with Django and Hateful Eight. Like I really enjoy Hateful Eight. Um, but Django is kind of, like, I understand his directing to a point where like he wanted this exact story told. So it is. But he did Foxy Brown, didn't he? Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. I think that's the only one I haven't seen, but other than that... Uh, what? You haven't seen Jackie Brown? Oh, yeah. It's criminally underrated. We'll have to watch it, because uh, now I want to watch it, because I'm such a fan of Tarantino, and like this movie, I really enjoyed. Um, uh, and I really did not. Speaking to the point where he doesn't have anything to say, I'm fine with that. I had fun just kind of in the day in the life of these people set in the 70s? Um, 69. Late 60s, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was just going to be kind of this a similar tone to Death Proof, where it kind of just has this random day pulled out of nowhere. Um, and it kind of was. Um, when it kicks off at the end, like I was like, oh shit, because I really thought uh, the main characters were gonna eat it, and fuck no. Uh, Brad Pitt has this great scene with his dog. You're fucking tearing apart three fucking random hippies. Um, it's it's weird. Um, to that point of like, for ninety percent of the movie, I was literally sitting there going, "What's the point?" Like, like you said, it's literally a day in the life. It's one day of these characters, mm-hmm. and. I was just like, why? What are we doing? Um, especially when it doesn't have that that trademark Tarantino feel. It's not zippy, snappy. Yeah. It, it, it's long. It's meandering. It's very slow. Um, and then you get to the end where he does his revisionist history shit that he's been on for a while. And you're like, I don't know that I like this. I think it's kind of gross what he's saying. What do you mean? I don't what know. do you mean with the revisionist history? 
Um, you understand that Roman Polanski's wife, Sharon Tate, was murdered by three Manson followers on CeeLo Drive, right? Um, so that's the question I was going to bring to you. Um, when they were in the car, they were telling, they were saying they had to go murder um, the persons in whatever that old house was. And like, that's the one he walked up to when he was out of the ice cream truck. So when they went and attacked Brad Pitt in the other dude's house, like it just didn't make sense. And now I know why. (laughs) Well, they say it in that scene. Once they drive the car back down and they're like, Oh shit. You know, that was Rick Dalton. And that one, one girl's just like, who better to kill than the people we watch killing on TV, the people who taught us to kill. So they go to Leo's house instead. Okay. But in real life, yes, they went there. You know, the I'm the devil and I'm here to do the devil's work was the quote that he said when he went there. And, you know, they killed Sharon Tate and her onborn child and the three other people that were there. Like one dude was stabbed like 61 times, you know, and it was, Manson and his followers trying to start a race war. Okay. And that was what they used to set it off. Now, if you want to say, like, it, is it exploitative to not kill her, even though that's what we know? Maybe, whatever. But the point of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it may be uh, apocryphal and blown up, but, <clears throat> excuse me, the Manson murders are indicative of kind of a turning point it's the end of the summer of love sure the 60s had a lot of shit going on in it but this was kind of the end of like let's pick up hitchhikers and the hippies are fine and peace and love and free sex and now it's locker doors and anyone could be a fucking killer out there and in terms of the hollywood system it changed you know the 60s gave way to the 70s mm-hmm. which are uh, uh you know much in the late 60s to an extent when Dennis Hopper and Easy Rider and stuff, but it led to, you know, the dirty, grimy stuff, you know, like Taxi Driver and what uh, uh, Peckinpah was doing late in his career and stuff. Like, it's very dirty, it's grimy, and it was these younger voices changing and using film as their media to say how they saw the world. It no longer was giant cowboy heroes, it was, here's what the government's done through Vietnam and fucked everything mm-hmm. and ruined us and the, the greed and, and and it changed, which directly gave birth to nineties indie cinema, which means that Tarantino wouldn't have a career if that didn't happen. Huh. But this, this feels like him saying like, Oh, I wish for those days. I wish, you know, we still had larger than life cowboys and this was, you know, a man's a man and hippies are awful. And, you know, this is the way things should have been. It's it's a weird ending that I don't quite follow. Um, did he? He's always stated that he was doing nine nine movies and he's done right. And this is the ninth. Eh, he's also said that there that Star Trek movie's getting oh. traction and that will be his last movie if he does it. Interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I just I, I'm a big fan of his just wordy scenes like i think they just work well and i think you got the right people to do it like brett um but i don't think he has a lot of like i said his stuff is wordy and that's good but that's not what this movie is yeah. there's a lot of things where like nothing's really happening no dialogues happening we're just living in this recreated 60s la mm-hmm. i think he just wants to be in that world and go back excuse me to that time yeah um i think 
I also think it's weird. Excuse me. That for no reason are uh, ostensibly the hero in um, Pitt's Cliff Booth character murdered his wife and got away with it? Question mark. <laughs> Listen, uh, we never found out for real, so I'm just leaving it at that. <laughs> It's this weird thing of, like, literally, especially when, like, they, it would be one thing if they were just, like, I heard he killed his wife. But they literally yeah. show him drinking, pointing a fucking spear gun at him, oh, at her. Oh, fuck yeah. I, it, I completely forgot about that. <laughs> and it appears for no reason other than that she's being shrewish and nagging at him. It's kind of weird than in the environment that we live in today. And what we've is keeps being revealed about Hollywood and the people in it within the Me Too movement. And to know that Tarantino's career would not exist without Harvey Weinstein, who is the biggest one he's been taking down so far, that uh, the hero of his movie is like a wife killer who killed his wife for being shrewish and like loud for no reason is kind of weird and maybe gross. Yeah, I can see where you're saying. Also, it's weird that at the end, he seems to relish in the violence against the women a lot more than he does the man. Yeah. You know, like, sure, he sicks the dog on the guy and then curb stomps him, but, like, he literally has that one girl and he's running her from wall to wall like it's a fucking wrestling ring, slamming her into the turnbuckles that are the fucking walls. Like, it's kind of terrible. Yeah, but he did. But Tarantino's always had a weird streak of misogynistic tendencies in his movies. Yeah. Um Yeah, I don't know. I think that's all we got. <laughs> uh, I also I see a lot of people talking about like Margot Robbie and her portrayal of Sharon Tate and like to me I don't see her as anything but a cipher in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like she's she's if you know Hollywood history, she's the impending doom. The thing that one, she's the bright new star that's going to take away what Rick Dalton's looking for. And also, like I said, kind of killed that era of movies and TV anyway. Mm-hmm. But then by the end of the movie, she's just there to pro- project the feelings on the audience and the characters of what's changing and what's lost. But by the end, she's accepting of him and gives him the thing she wants. It's kind of a weak, underwritten role huh. that doesn't need to be there, probably. Yeah, yeah, I can see what you're saying. Plus, I don't think that anything he's saying about the power of film and media is anything that he didn't say better in Bastards. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know. I just appreciate his work that he does, so. I'm good with it. I don't know. I mean, everyone's really good in it. Mm-hmm. Like, Pitt and which, uh, Leo were both really good. Well, I was surprised. Like, Pitt does such an amazing job for, like, coming into this movie completely blind and not knowing anything. Um, when they had that first scene where he's just, like, the stunt guy, I was like, oh, well, he's probably not going to be in this movie. It's, like, mainly him. And, like, the trials he goes through in these two days um, was just fun to join him in. So. Yeah, I don't know. I liked it. And I'll probably see it again if it comes around, but I probably won't go out of my way to see it. So. Yeah. 
but yeah, that's this week's. Uh, then what we got next week? We got we'll finish up Titans, finish up Swamp Thing, read book one of Moore's Swamp Thing. Um, obviously, Doom Patrol next episode. Uh, then do you want to watch the boys then for next week? Mm-mm. We're, we're still holding okay. off. Okay. So then, even though I've already watched the first like three episodes. <laughs> So then we got uh, best and worst list. Uh, yes, and it's a weird one this week. Um, so um, it's week twelve, or it's number twelve. How are you, not week twelve because we've been doing this since number thirty-five. Uh, it's number twelve this week, but the corresponding worst wasn't there. But we could do week eleven. So we're doing. The worst for week 11 plus the best for week 11 and 12 together. Since there's only one theatrical film, okay. we're going to do three at-homes. Okay. okay. So, plus it's weird <laughs> because I hate the number 12 best. Right. So, it's kind of all the worst for me. So, what we got? Okay. Well, first we have uh, uh, Two Towers. Oh, okay. So, we'll continue in our Lord of Rings, uh, which technically this would be the fellowship spot, but we flipped them like we talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, for worst, we have from Justin to Kelly, the, uh, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the American Idol fucking singer movie. Um, and then the one I hate, but is on a best list. We have Robert Zemeckis's Forrest Gump. Oh, it's not that I don't want to watch this movie. It's just I don't want to watch a f- another four-hour Tom Hanks movie. <laughs> it's it's not four hours. It's like two and a half. No way. It's definitely over three hours. No, it's like 140 minutes. You're a liar, and I don't appreciate that. Find it. Find it. <laughs> Fine. We'll watch it. Whatever. Uh, and then we got Hobbs. Because they can't be. Because... It was only on one VHS tape, but Titanic was on two because it was over three hours. Fuck. I'll give you that point. Uh, and then we got Hobbs and Shaw theatrically. Yep. Uh, that is then? Yeah, that is it. Right on. So watch all that stuff, and we'll come back and talk to you more about it next week. Uh, peace, love, pineapple, and all that good stuff. And dirty hippie feet. <laughs> Just hanging out. Oh, so gross. God. <laughs>